welcome, 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 welcome to those who are new today, to those who are visiting, who were new last week, for those who are returning after a summer away, and welcome to all of you who've been here for years and decades. My name is Rich Andre. It is an honor to be with you. I have the best job in the world as the associate pastor here at St. John 23rd Parish. Father Don and I are members of a religious community called the Paulist Fathers. We are the first religious community of men founded in the United States. We've been doing campus ministry for over 100 years, and we've just passed the 40-year mark here at the University of Tennessee. If you're new, you're probably, probably noticing that this place looks a little different than your typical Catholic church. Rest assured, we are a fully functioning parish with everything your home parish has except for parking. <laughs> On the weekends and evenings, however, UT Parking Services graciously allows our parishioners to park in the three closest lots that are labeled staff. The one across from Hess, the one outside the Clarence Brown Theater, and the one on Caledonia Avenue. But wait, you might ask, where are the statues? Well, this is a multi-purpose room, and we tear down this room several times a week for other events and put it back together again. We hold a variety of meetings, dinners, and dances in this space, and statues are hard to move. Where's the tabernacle? It's across the way in our more traditional-looking day chapel because we felt it wouldn't be appropriate to dance in front of the Blessed Sacrament on Mardi Gras. So that's where that is. Where are the kneelers? Well, if we had kneelers, we would have to take out about 100 chairs in this room to fit it in. And at many of our masses throughout the weekend, that would mean a lot of people would not get in. So the bishop has given us permission to use chairs. The preferred posture during the Eucharistic prayer here is to stand and then to bow profoundly at the two points when the priest genuflects. Okay, last thing. Where are the restrooms? There's some up this stairwell, and then there's some up the stairwell on the other side of the lobby. Most people go that way for some reason, but these are actually closer. So, now that we've gotten all that business out of the way, let us begin as we begin all things. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The Lord be with you. Today's gospel is challenging. Jesus and his disciples are on the way to two towns outside of Israel, and a non-Jewish woman asks for help. And it sounds as if Jesus isn't really that interested in her. He eventually says something that equates her with a dog. And dog is still a term used in many parts of the world to refer to foreigners. Some people think that the woman, they say that the woman's response to Jesus makes Jesus change his mind. I don't think that's the proper way to interpret this. So listen to this conversation. It's a three-way conversation among the Canaanite woman, the disciples, and Jesus. Let's not dump to, jump to conclusions about who is responding to whom. I think this passage is as open and as inclusive as our first reading today from Isaiah. God is inclusive and showering all of us with his mercy. Let us celebrate that. More than a few people suggest that the Canaanite woman convinced Jesus to expand the realm of God's mercy. Really? This would be the one case in the Gospels where Jesus made a mistake and a human being corrected him? I don't think so. 
Now, Matthew, as those of you who have been here for a while, you know that is, it is my favorite gospel. Well, actually, one of my foremost favorite gospels. Some people are sick of hearing this next part, but there's a point here. The gospel of Matthew, Matthew sets up Jesus to be the new Moses. As Moses gave us the five books of the, the Pentateuch, Jesus has five major teaching discourses. And after each of those discourses, he puts those teachings into action. I think today's passage needs to be interpreted in the context of what we've heard the last five weekends here. Five weekends ago, Jesus taught that the kingdom of heaven is like a seed sown indiscriminately all over the land. And some of the seed did not grow well, but some fell on good soil and produced 30, 60, or 100-fold. And then two weekends ago, the disciples wanted to dismiss a huge crowd, and Jesus said, feed them yourselves. The disciples apparently didn't remember the teaching about the good soil, so Jesus showed them that it was possible to feed the crowd with five loaves and two fish. Four weekends ago, Jesus taught that the kingdom is like a mustard seed that grew into a mighty tree. And last weekend, Peter, with just a little bit of faith, was able to walk on the surface of a stormy sea for several steps before he started to sink. And when he sank, he sank a lot slower than the rate of gravity. Today's passage... Well, maybe this is an unorthodox interpretation, but I do have a great theologian to back me up, our parish's own director of adult faith formation, Dr. Ruth Queen-Smith. I think this passage is another example of how we are called to bring forth the kingdom. Jesus said that the kingdom of heaven was like farmhands who were told not to separate the weeds from the wheat until the harvest, the end of the age. Yet the disciples in our passage today, perhaps because they didn't want to bother with strangers when they were on a beach vacation, Tyre and Sidon are on the Mediterranean Sea, they decided right then and there that the Canaanite woman was a weed. Jesus said nothing. The disciples begged Jesus to send her away because she bothered them. When Jesus says that he came to save the lost sheep of Israel and it's not right to take food from the children, I think he's testing the disciples as he tested them before the feeding of the 5,000. Jesus had just recently taught them about the expansiveness of God's mercy with seven parables in chapter 13. But they don't get it. But the Canaanite woman does. Jesus has been spoon-feeding the disciples but they fail to absorb a single morsel. The Canaanite woman looks at these uncomprehending disciples, and she points out that her plea, her request, steals nothing from the disciples. She is taking the food that they have chosen not to eat. Jesus, who last week called Peter, you of little faith, calls this woman, he says, great is your faith. Coincidence? I don't think so. Here at St. John 23rd Parish, we say that all are welcome and we mean it. Mean it. Father Don and I are members of the Paulist Fathers. The Paulists 
try to communicate the gospel in relevant ways to people without a faith community. We collaborate with other Christians and faith tra- people of other faith traditions. We journey with people who feel hurt by the church or alienated from the church. And it's not just the two of us who live this out. Everyone in this parish, including our student leaders, volunteers from our residential community, the focus missionaries, the Paulist associates, everyone is thrilled you're here even if you need a parking space. Some people even have cleared the good spots in this section so the newcomers had room to sit near the door. If you're new to UT, perhaps you feel like the Canaanite woman on the outside, not able to fit in. And it's natural to think that everyone else here has their act together and you're the only one struggling. But that is not the case. A few years ago, two friends of the Paulists, Nora Bradbury Hale and Bill McGarvey, Bill used to edit our website for young adults who consider themselves spiritual but not religious called bustedhalo.com. Check it out, bustedhalo.com. They wrote a book called The Freshman Survival Guide. They consulted with dozens and maybe hundreds of RAs and students and campus ministers to compile a book of advice for new college students. And here's a bit of advice they give for fitting in as a freshman. For the first weeks that you are on campus, live like a monk. In other words, don't drink, don't have romantic encounters, and spend as little money as possible. They're the three ways that feel like you're fitting in, but they can lead to bad long-term consequences. Instead, they say, join a faith-based group or a volunteer group, or maybe two or three. And before Mass is over, new students, we will tell you how to do that. Join a group right now, this week. Once you make a few friends, you won't feel it's as necessary to drink or date or spend to fit in on campus. Once again, on behalf of everyone, welcome even if our faith is the size of a mustard seed, together we'll learn how to walk on the water.